supernatural peace that surpasses all understanding, able to guard our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. Let us give the Lord a hand clap of praise this morning. And to our worship team, praise God for you. It's so good to see your smiling faces, everyone in a Christmas vest and looking beautiful. Uh, so welcome, welcome, welcome to this worship service of the church gathered at Forest Baptist Church. Why don't you pray with me, and then we're going to dig right in. Father in heaven, how wonderful you are. You are the king of shalom. Able to bring peace where there is restlessness, where there is anxiety, where there is trials and tribulations. You and you alone are able to bring peace from the highest valley to the lowest mountain. That peace that surpasses all understanding because it comes from you and not from this world. Father, your peace doesn't make sense to us because your peace is filled with grace and mercy. We do not deserve this type of peace but yet you bestow upon us anyway. And Father, as we are in this season to reflect upon the peace that you have given in Christ Jesus, Father, I ask that you would just come and speak, that you would draw our hearts near, that you, we would be excited about that old story about a baby being born in Bethlehem, in a manger, God himself, Though he was a child, he was still holding on to, to our breaths. He was still causing the sun to rise and the, the sun to set. He was still causing the earth to spin. And he still had all power in his hand, yet he came that we may have life, that everlasting. So, Father, as we pause to... Set our affections upon you. Please pour out your spirit in a special way that you would give us insight and clarity, greater clarity. As your word declares, please give us a spirit of wisdom and of revelation and a knowledge of you. Help us to walk worthy of the calling with which you have called us to be your ambassadors in this world. Father, right now, as we lift up all those who are suffering in the midst of this holiday season, those who have lost loved ones, those who have been affected by tragedy, those who have been affected by COVID in so many ways, Lord, there's so much heaviness even now, Lord, even though it's the Christmas time, there's so much heaviness, and Lord, we can't look to anyone to deliver us, so we look to you. Have mercy. Father, please use your word to grant us hope and help. From King Jesus. Father, have mercy upon me and take my weak and foolish words to make much of Christ Jesus. Indeed, it is for your glory, for your name's sake, that we do pray. And all of God's people said together, Amen. Amen. I don't know, beloved, maybe I'm not the only one, but it sure feel like this year has went by in a blur. So fast this entire year, you look up and it's Christmas time and look up. Uh, by God's grace, we can go on to uh, 2022. It, it's just so much has been going on. Um, and as things have been moving so fast, it's been hard just trying to catch your breath sometimes, right? So, you know, today, this morning, as a community, we want to look out for, our, for the interests of one another and care for one another and just love on you this morning. So this morning, we're just going to enter into a little soul care. So why don't you, right where you are, just, just close your eyes for a moment to pause. Just to pause, just slow down. 
Take a deep breath. Breathe in and breathe out. Just breathe in and, and breathe out. And in this moment, even as Christmas is, is just around the corner, I, I don't want your, your mind to be upon the gifts that you haven't given yet. I don't want your mind to be on the gifts you would like to receive. Let your mind fall away from what you need to cook or what you need to prepare, what you need to order. Let your mind not reflect upon what you need to do this week, but ask the Lord to help you to be present right now. Just be present. And as you are, are present, I, I, I want your mind to begin to drift to an old rugged road leading into Bethlehem. Let your mind see Joseph and Mary as they are on that, that donkey and they have no place to stay. But they found room in an old dusty and dingy manger. Let your mind consider what, what it may have been like, how scary the scene may have been. There's, there's no nurses, there's no doctors, there's barely even any clean water. But yet, it's in the midst of that mess that our Savior is born. And as Mary gives birth to Jesus, I want you to see that baby. The hope of humanity right before your eyes. But not only do I want you to see Jesus, I want you to see the invitation he's offering you today. As we prepare to celebrate Christmas, it is so much greater than we can even imagine. To think back to that moment of just what was taking place. As you open your eyes and even now, as Christians, we've, we've historically celebrated Christmas in recognition of Jesus. But beloved, if truth be told, when Christmas comes around, many times we're not thinking about Jesus. Our minds are in so many different places and, and we're not considering the Savior. But when we don't pause to reflect upon Jesus at Christmas, we miss out on one of the most important truths about our faith, that in Jesus we have rescue. So I, I just want to challenge you this moment for, to pause and to reflect upon Jesus coming into this world. He did not have to come. He did not have to rescue us, but he came anyway. And praise God that he came. You know, the coming of Jesus Christ, the, the theological term that is used for the coming of Christ is the incarnation of Christ Jesus. That moment where the, the act of the Son of God, whereby he took upon himself the human nature, where the Son of God, full deity and perfect humanity, united without mixture, uh, without change, without division, without separation, in one person forever, Jesus, both 100% God and 100% man, has come. And in the incarnation, as amazing as that is, there is even more to be explored in Jesus' arrival. Beloved, when we consider the, the incarnation, what we have is the invasion of righteousness into a broken and sinful world. When Jesus comes, he, he steps foot into a broken world that, that, that is full of chaos and full of confusion. 
and he comes to, to, to lay down his life. And where just when Satan thinks he has everything under his hand, Jesus shows up and righteousness begins to spread through his people, through his words. But beloved, most of all, what I want us to consider for today is the fact that in the incarnation, there's an invitation. Grab your Bible and turn with me to Luke, the fourth chapter. Luke, the fourth chapter. Let us begin with verse 14. And we'll just be reading through verses, through verse 21. Luke, the fourth chapter, beginning with the 14th verse, this is the word of God. The inerrant, the infallible, the sufficient, the authoritative word of God. That not only leads to life, but it is life. Sweeter than honey in the honeycomb. Able to make us wise unto salvation. Both now and forevermore. The grass may wither and the flowers will fade. But the word of our God will stand forever. It is the word of God. You can't take nothing else with you when you leave here. But if you get the word of God stored up in your bones, you will see how every word spoken did not return void, but accomplished every single thing that God has determined for it to do. Through this word, we have life and liberty. The word of God reads for us today. And Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit to Galilee, and a report about him went throughout all the surrounding country. And he taught in their synagogues, being glorified by all. And he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up. And as was his custom, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day, and he stood up to read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Then you dropped the mic on him, y'all. And he rolled up the scroll and gave it back to the attendant and sat down. And the eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on him. Verse 21, and he began to say to them, today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. May the Lord have blessing to the reading of his word. You may be seated. The invitation of the incarnation. That's what we're looking at here. And this passage of scripture is such a beautiful, such a beautiful passage of scripture because it's such a beautiful picture of grace, right? Because Jesus says, I have come to do something that you could not do for yourself. I have come because I've seen your need. I, I've seen you in your sin. I've seen you in your mess. I've seen how you've been behaving. I've seen what you've been thinking. I've, I've seen what you've been watching. I've seen what you've been texting. I mean, I, I, I've, I've seen all that's been going on, and yet I know you are in desperate need of grace and of mercy, so I, I've come. What a great picture of grace, and, and pretty much this is Jesus' mission statement for why he has come. See, in this text, Jesus is quoting from the prophet Isaiah in Isaiah, the 61st chapter. I love this passage. Just turn with me. Isaiah 61. In your Old Testament, the prophet Isaiah is writing to Israel as they uh, are in captivity in Babylon, but he is assuring them that God is going to deliver them. And there will be a time of release where they will be liberated in order to, uh, to come back in order to worship God and that God will be with them. So in Isaiah, the 61st chapter, verse 1, Isaiah, the prophet of the Lord, reports 
the spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me. Here it is to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the vengeance and the day of vengeance of our God to comfort all who mourn, verse 3, to grant those who mourn in Zion, to give them a beautiful headdress instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the garment of praise instead of a faint spirit, that they may be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. They shall build up the ancient ruins. They shall raise up the former devastations. They shall repair the ruined cities, the devastation of many generations. The prophet Isaiah is speaking on God's behalf like there will be a time where, where Israel will come back and they will be fully restored. And we see that Israel, uh, the people of Judah, they do come back to Jerusalem and they do come to uh, fix the gates. And this is fulfilled in the sense that they are released from captivity in Babylon, but the complete fulfillment is never fully gained. There's always still something lacking. So what Jesus is saying here is that all that has ever been lacking for complete fulfillment, for complete release, for complete liberation, though you've been waiting on it for a long time, it has come right now in me. I have come and I bring complete liberation. There's no need to keep looking. And that's pretty much the, the big idea for our text this morning is the fact that the incarnation of Jesus is your invitation to liberation. Because Jesus has showed up, you have been invited to be set free. Fully, completely, with no strings attached, y'all. It's not like one of those offers that you say it's too good to be true. If we say it's too good to be true, usually it's too good to be true. But no strings attached to what Jesus is offering in his coming. This is what Christmas should be to us. That because Jesus came, I've actually been set free. And here it is. Jesus, th th this season, this time, should be a, a, a season to celebrate our freedom in Christ, but we're binding ourselves up. Oh, I, I got to get this gift, and I got to buy this gift, and I got to go there, and I got to do this, and, and I got to make sure uh, I, I got to make sure I give them that, so they give me this. And, and we're, we're putting all, we're, we're binding ourselves during this Christmas season with all we got to do when Jesus says, "I've come to set you free." And here Jesus, he gives us this mission statement in the incarnation. And verses 14 through 17 is really uh, on the heels of Jesus uh, coming out of the wilderness, empowered by the Holy Spirit. He begins to go and to teach and preach in the synagogue. And, and, and his name begins to get out there. People are like, have you, have you, have you heard Jesus preach? Have you heard this man? And they begin to glory in him because they, they like what they're hearing. And it's exciting. It's brand new. Then Jesus comes back to his hometown where everybody know him. Everybody used to him. And I like how it says, and, and he goes to the synagogue as was his custom. Jesus used to go to church every Saturday, y'all. <laughs> but it's what takes place there that's so beautiful. Because in verse 18, Jesus says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me. This is Jesus' mission statement because he is saying, I did not simply come just to um, make a name for myself per se. He's doing everything to glorify himself. But, but he's saying, I came to do something. I came for a reason. I came to accomplish something that had not been accomplished and could not be accomplished until I do it. That's why I have come. This is his mission. And what Jesus is basically saying in this text is that I have come to liberate the lowly. I've come to liberate the lowly. Those who, 
those who don't have it all together. I've come to liberate those who got a, a bad reputation. I come to liberate those who got those skeletons in their closet. I come to liberate those that, uh, wh- that, that when they see you coming, they turn the other way. I, I've come to liberate those whose names is not at the top of the list, but at the bottom of the list. I, matter of fact, I've come to, for the people whose names ain't on the list, who, who, who want to get their names on the list. I've come for the lowly. And, and we see an example of this when Jesus, in the 18th chapter of Luke, he gives a parable of the Pharisee and a tax collector. Jesus is saying, I didn't come for the person who stands in the middle of the church praying like, oh, Lord, thank you for making me me. Thank you that I'm so wise. Thank you that I got a nice fat bank account. Thank you for all my education. Thank you that uh, everything is going well with my soul. And thank you that I ain't like them on that side of town, on those side of tracks. Thank you, God, that I don't look like them, talk like them. And I don't behave like them because they ain't all that. Jesus didn't come for folks who think they got that have it all together or base their their righteousness upon their their achievements or accomplishments. But Jesus came for the tax collector that stood in the middle of the temple. He couldn't even lift up his eyes. I, I can only imagine his eyes is just filled with tears. Because he knows he shouldn't even be in the temple. He ain't got no business in the temple because of his profession, because of his reputation, because of all the, the dirt he's been doing and tears flowing down his face. And he can't even look up to heaven, but he, only, he beats his chest and says, have mercy on a sinner. That's who Jesus came for. One who's able to say, have mercy on a sinner. Have mercy on me, O oh God. He has come to liberate the lowly, and he has come for the very opposite thing that the religious elite was talking about. Because the text tells us, he says, he he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives, recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. We could just take time just to break, break these down individually, but, but I, I just want you to take this collectively. What Jesus is saying is that I have come to invite you to hope in something greater than your present circumstance. I have come to give you a hope that's beyond the, uh, where you are in your midst right now. That's why I have come. Think about Israel. They are under... Roman occupation. They, they have to do what the Romans say. They, they're, they're not living their best life now. Things don't look good. It looks like it will always be like this. It, it doesn't look like God is uh, around. Remember, before John the Baptist, God hadn't spoken to them in, in like some 400 years. They, 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 is God with me? They're wondering, God, can you hear me? Nothing is going according to all they've been reading in the Old Testament. But then Jesus comes. What greater need would a people need apart from hope? See, because it's hope that allows you to put that next foot in front of the other. It's hope that actually gets you out the bed to believe that if God is in control, then Everything's going to be okay. It's the hope that allows you that even in the midst of a situation, a circumstance, that there's no way. It's the hope in what Jesus has done that allows us to keep going as his people. And this this is what Jesus is bringing to the Israelites in the incarnation. He's bringing hope to the hopeless. And ultimately what we see, Jesus ultimately offers low, the lowly spiritual liberation. This is what he's talking about when he's talking when he says, I have come to proclaim good news to the poor. Who are who who are the poor? Those who are without, 
those who are bankrupt, the, who, who don't have any, any material possessions for themselves. He's talking about those folk. That they don't have Jesus, so they don't have anything. They may try to fill their life with all kinds of possessions. They might, may try to fill their life with religion. They may go to the temple. They may uh, recite the Shema. They may uh, follow the, they may be doing all these things, but if Jesus is not their Savior, then they really don't have anything at all. He's saying, I, I've come for those who are spiritually poor, but I, I've come for the, those who are spiritually captive. Those in bondage to sin. Being that since Genesis 3, 3.15, when sin enters into creation, and now every man, woman, boy, and girl are born in sin, and, and as David says, and shaped in iniquity, now our, our nature is completely contrary to the things of God, so we always want to do what we want to do because of sin. And, and we are in bondage to sin. Our, our, our will and, and all that we want to do is in bondage to sin, and there's no way out. Jesus is saying, I have come to, to set you free from that bondage of sin. To those who are blind, they're, they're ignorant to anything uh, that is of God. This is like the Second Corinthians 4, 4, and the God of this world have blinded their eyes. They, they don't even know what's right because all, th- their entire life is, is, is about following what this world says is right. Those who are blind and those who are oppressed. Beloved, did you know that sin is not only a a slave master, but sin is a cruel slave master that invicts pain on you. See, it's one thing to fall in sin, but it's another thing when you begin to receive those consequences from sin. The trauma and the terror and the burdens because of that sin. Jesus is saying, I, I've come to get sin up off your back so you can live. He says, I've come to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. So I like this right here because what he's referring to is the year of Jubilee. And if you look in the Old Testament in the 25th chapter of Leviticus, it lays out what the year of Jubilee was. And pretty much every 50 years, any, uh, any type of possession, any type of uh, debt was canceled. Uh, any land that you lost was given back. If, if you had indentured yourself into servitude, you was able to be released. So every 50 years, there was this complete reset of the economy where everything was, was made equal again. That would be nice, wouldn't it? Every 50, every 50 years every single individual would be released from their debt. Jesus is saying, I've come to release you from your your sin debt. I have come to set you free. Those imprisoned by sin now have good news in Jesus. That's That's the story of Christmas. We have good news in Jesus because he has come. And beloved, the present reality of the incarnation of Jesus frees me to make it to tomorrow. Because of the incarnation and the implications of what he's done, how it impacts me today, it actually frees me to live for tomorrow. Because at the end of the day, though all may be going wrong around me, if my soul is well, then everything's all good. This is why we sing, it is well with my soul. It may not be well on my job. It may not be well in my home. It may not be well in my marriage. It may not be well in my body. It may not be well at school. It may not be well in the government. It may not be well on the news, and it may not be well in the world. But if my soul is well with Jesus, that's all that I need. So what the incarnation Jesus, what Jesus coming reminds us that if your soul's been liberated by the blood of Jesus, then you always have hope for tomorrow. 
because it is well with your soul. Oh, beloved, in these days, that's something we have to hold on to. We're searching for hope. We're searching for answers. We can't wait for the news to say COVID done. We can't wait. We, we can't wait to quote unquote get back to normal. We, we can't wait and, and we're hoping and longing that, that th- the next breaking news will be some good news. But Jesus is saying, even if, the, even if the next breaking news is still more bad news, you get good news in me. Because I saw you in your mess and I came. So Jesus, he he's offers the lowly this spiritual liberation, but then he also offers the lowly a, a physical liberation. You know, though... Though Jesus' words have our spiritual well-being in view, they no less have our physical well-being in view. How do do we know this? Why would we say this? It's funny because as soon as Jesus says this in verse 31, then he goes out and heals a man with a demon in him. What Jesus is saying is uh, the content of the gospel has a capacity to impact your life in tangible, physical ways. And what I believe Jesus is doing is he's he's helping them understand the wholeness of a person, the wholeness of our being, and that the gospel is a very real present help. The gospel is a very real present help. The gospel is just not how you were saved. The gospel is the, the means by which you are still being saved and still being kept, and still being renewed. So what I believe that Jesus is doing here is there's something even deeper at work than just my physical bones or, or my physical situation. I, Jesus is getting to the sense that the incarnation has these present realities on my total well-being. So so when Jesus says, I've, I've come to preach good news to the poor, those who are normally without now receive the very presence of Jesus through the power of the Holy Spirit. That is real and tangible. Where, where Jesus says, and lo, I am with you to the end of the age. Like, like when the Holy Spirit resides in you, like Jesus is really with you, with you. He's not walking alongside of you. He's not walking in front of you. He's not walking by. Like, when the Holy Spirit is in you, you are never by yourself because Jesus is always with you, God himself indwelling. So whereas you, 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 may, you may think you're by yourself, you may think nobody loves you, you may think that uh, can't nobody understand you, if you belong to Jesus, that the physical reality is his presence is with you. He is Emmanuel. God with us, right? But not only that, he talks about he's, he's come to set liberty to the captives. And when I was thinking about this, I was, I was thinking about how in the sense that we get so captivated by the world. We are so captivated about what the world has to offer. We're so captivated about what the world says. If you don't believe me, then why are you always on Facebook or why are you always on Twitter or why are you always on TikTok? Because you want to see what they have to say. I'm not, I'm not saying good or bad, but we're captivated. We're captured. The world has us in this, in this hole to, to hold us back from, from being the witness that Jesus has called us to be. But, but, but Jesus says, you don't have to remain captive because you've already been set free. Those whom the Son set free is free indeed. It's like the whole reason that we celebrate Juneteenth, right? Juneteenth is celebrated because those enslaved persons in Texas, they didn't get the word that they was already free. 
but they weren't able to, to really experience that freedom physically until word came to them. Beloved, you may feel that you bound up in your sin, that addiction got the best of you, that relationship got the best of you, but Jesus said, uh, you, I have come to set you free. You are already free. And not only that, I have given you the means and the power by which you can walk about that situation because I've already come into, oh, like when, when, when Paul and Silas was in the, the jail cell and, and the angel came and, and just shook everything and opened up all the doors. Jesus said, I, I just shook it up and opened the doors. You just need to walk up out. He has come to to give sight to those who are ignorant to what is right. We talked about this a little last week. Like, like literally, sin is so rampant that people, what is abnormal by God's standard is just normal. And they really don't know any better. It, they're, they're, how many times in our own lives we don't know no better. But what Jesus is saying, the Holy Spirit has come to lead us into all righteousness, to convict us of sin. So when the Holy Spirit begins to move upon your heart, saying, you know you shouldn't have said that. You know you shouldn't have went there. You, you know you need to apologize. You know you need to forgive them. You know you need to be pursuing Jesus. When the Holy Spirit begins, that is, the, that is the very voice of God. Waking you up in the midst of ignorance. That's a physical reality. But then not only that, Jesus says, I've come to set at liberty those who are oppressed. Beloved, I... Those who have been terrorized by sin or sinful people. Those who have been traumatized by sin or sinful people. Those who, who are presently burdened by sin and sinful people. The, the damage that has come as a result of sin and all of the shame and all of the guilt that, that comes because of sin. Jesus literally, literally comes in your life and says there is now no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. And, and he, he takes your eyes off the circumstance and he takes your eyes off yourself and he fixes your eyes on the cross and says every terrible, wretched thing that's been said about you has been nailed to the cross and you can leave it right there so you can go about your life without shame and guilt and condemnation. As a matter of fact, you could become, you could become as transparent as you want to, as you want to be. It, it, now in Christ, folks come up to you. I remember when you used to, yep, show did, but God. Hey, I remember when you was, yep, show was, but God. And 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 and, I, and, I, and it actually becomes a testimony to the power, the sanctifying power of Jesus with you. You no longer have to live in fear trying to exonerate yourself in order to receive God's approval. God's approval has been secured in the life, death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. You already approved when you were in Christ. We're physically liberated when he says to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Did you know that the year of Jubilee would start on the Day of Atonement? It wouldn't start until the Day of Atonement. So before, oh, before their physical debt could be released, before their liberation from their physical debt could come, they were liberated from their spiritual sin debt. Because the day of atonement was when the priest would go in to the Holy of Holies on the behalf of the people. 
and offer a sinless sacrifice, that, that blameless lamb on the altar of God so God would look over the people and give them forgiveness of sins. So Jesus is saying, I have, I have come and given you freedom, liberation from your sin debt, both spiritually and physically, in order that you may worship me, that you may be set free. So the reality of that is now when I fall and when I fail, I can stand upon 1 John 1, 9, that if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all our iniquity. That is a present truth. That takes away my anxiety. That takes away, that, that takes away uh, from me trying to be penitent in my own self, like beat my, like I don't need to beat myself up. Jesus took the lashes for me. He was already beat spit upon and mocked. I ain't got to beat up myself. Jesus was beaten on my behalf. And, and when I trust in his sinless sacrifice, then I, then I can live today. The present reality of the incarnation of Jesus frees me to live for today. Now when those thoughts run across my mind, I'm able, 2 Corinthians, to take every thought captive according to Christ. I don't have to believe what they say because I know what Jesus says about me. I don't have to wonder where I stand with everyone else because I stand in the very presence of God right now because of the blood of Jesus. Beloved, this deliberation the, the that uh, Christians receive, all of this that we receive is the very thing that we can offer when we share the good news with someone else and make disciples. See, discipleship is not about just a transfer of information. Discipleship is about an invitation to liberation. When you draw near to someone and you begin walking them up through who Jesus is, what he has done, what he has accomplished, that same freedom that you experience in Jesus, you, you are being a vessel, an instrument of liberation in order to set them free. That is what it means to make disciples. That is what, that's what it means to go ye therefore and make disciples. Set the captives free. So now when you're looking at your family and when you're looking at the world, uh, instead of looking at them like, oh, they just get on my nerves. What is wrong with them? They are just so hard-headed. We can actually begin to have a sense of, of empathy and, Lord, liberate their souls. Jesus, liberate their minds. Jesus, liberate their hearts. They need to be set free. Lord, use me as a vessel. Use me as a means of freedom to, to, to help set them free. Beloved, have you become a instrument of liberation? How has Jesus used you to help liberate somebody else? In the power of the Spirit, what are you proclaiming? We have to be careful, family, that in the midst of this Christmas season that we don't we don't do the same thing that the folks in Nazareth did to Jesus. Because in verse 22, after Jesus said all these things, after verse 21 and verse 22, it says, And all spoke well of him and marveled at the gracious words that were coming from his mouth. Oh, man, that Jesus stuff is some good stuff. Oh, man, I had a good time in church today. Jesus preached. Boy, he preached. That was a good word. They had a good worship service, but they missed who Jesus really was. Because uh, it says, and they said, is not this Joseph's son? They had become so familiar with Jesus that they, instead of seeing him as the Savior, they only seen him as Joseph's son. And beloved, we can go about this Christian life, this church thing, this Christmas every single year, and we can see Jesus is just that baby in a manger and not the sovereign Savior over the whole world. 
And we can miss the glory of Christ and miss the glory of the incarnation and how he has truly liberated us. We can we can miss all of that. And just like they missed Jesus's invitation to liberation, we can miss that same invitation. Beloved, have you accepted Jesus's invitation? Have you experienced a moment where Jesus is calling you and he opens your eyes to the fact that you are a sinner in need of a savior? You are someone who has been living for you. This is what a sinner is. Someone who has been living for themselves. Doing what they want to do. Where the entire world just centers around them. Never acknowledging God as, as master or savior. Has there ever been a moment where you acknowledge Jesus' invitation and you say, yes, I am a sinner and I need you to save me? And you turn from living for yourself and you turn to live for Jesus based upon the fact that he has accomplished salvation through his life, death, burial, and resurrection. Because ultimately, what Jesus is actually offering is a greater jubilee. Jesus ain't offering you a a jubilee that after 50 years, then everything is set right. No, my King Jesus is offering you an eternity where every day in his face, he's liberated. Every day in his face, you get to see, oh, I've been liberated. And every day you're in his face, you say, "I, I, I, I don't have no more sin debt. As a matter of fact, I got a mansion in glory. As a matter of fact, I get to come around the throne of God and to shout hallelujah to his name and and holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty because I've been made right. As a matter of fact, I ain't got to wait every 50 years to, to be renewed, to be released, to be refreshed. In the incarnation, he says, you can be refreshed today. You can be renewed today. You can be saved today. You ain't got to be wait to be set free. He's offering you a a greater jubilee, a jubilee you can experience every single day on this side when you wake up in the morning to new mercies and new grace. Where every single day you see the sunrise and sunset, you give glory to God because you know you ain't supposed to be here. Had it been up to you, you would have been dead long ago. But God, being rich in mercy, saw fit to breathe breath in your lungs one more day. That's a, that's a brand new jubilee. The type of jubilee that says that even though I may walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I, I ain't got to fear no evil because, because thou art with me. The type of jubilee that says, though I may be going through hell and high water to live is Christ, but to die is gain. The type of jubilee that reminds you that I'm more than a conqueror in Christ Jesus. And I march not from defeat, but I, I march from victory. Because it's already, that's, that, beloved, that's a jubilee. It's already won. The victory's already yours. You ain't got to fight. You ain't got to struggle. Try Jesus has done it all. That's a jubilee. This is the new and greater jubilee we have in Jesus. That you ain't got to wait 50 years to be set free. Whom the Son sets free is free indeed. Today. Not tomorrow. Today. Jesus has come to bring liberation to the lonely. But beloved, have, have you gone low, low? Have you humbled yourself before King Jesus? Lord, I need you. I need this jubilee to save me, to rescue me, to redeem me. Would you take your blood, that same blood that fills the fountain, that blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins. Could you take that blood and just wash me, Jesus? Wash me white as snow that that I can start to walk right. 
So I can start to act right. So I can start to be right. Not because of what I can do, but because of what you've already done. That's a jubilee. Oh, beloved, the incarnation of Jesus is your invitation to liberation today. I want you to pray with me. Lord, you're good. You're faithful. You're mighty. You're glorious. You are a king. You are our master. You're king of kings. You're Lord of lords. Father, Truly, if we had a thousand tongues and we were all speaking at the same time, Lord, we could not truly declare how good you've been and how great you are. So, Father, I beg in this Christmas season, remind us of just what you liberated us from. You liberated us from a life of eternal separation from you in hell through your shed blood. So, Father, I ask that you would renew, restore, redeem today in the name of Jesus and that we would be able to experience the true, new, and greater jubilee that is found in Christ. Thank you, Lord, for the victory that we have because of what you've already done. Now, kind Father, please give us the boldness, the strength, and the energy to be an instrument of liberation, inviting others to come to know you. We ask these things in the precious and mighty name of Jesus the Christ. And all of God's people said, amen. Amen. The invitation is simple. There's never been a moment where you've 